This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Well, Mr. Green, what do you think? <laughs> I think well, it was about as unpredictable as it, we'd hoped it for. It was soporific mid-race, and then it exploded. Yeah, that was uh, that was crazy, I think is the best word for that race. Yeah, and, and I do feel for Bottas. Uh, but it was obvious what happened. Um, he definitely hit some debris. He went right uh, over it. Right over it, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, therefore... You could say, well, it's his fault. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, you can't blame the track people for not getting all the debris off the track. I mean, it's almost impossible. Yeah, and I wonder, he was kind of coming over a small hill. I wonder if that was yeah, just blocked from his been unsighted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet you that's what it was. Cause that I, was... I mean, how do you plan your lap around where the debris is? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. But you got to fit. We were just talking about before the race, Botas, and could he get a win? And it was you were hoping he would get a win. And man, that's the that's the worst way to go out though, like that. Yeah, I feel for it. I mean, it's a good win for Mercedes. Um, and um, as the engineer just said, you know, Lady Luck perhaps has played its role. Fantastic. So yeah, we're just watching the guys get out of the cars here now. But man, Jonathan, the other, the other shame oh, is Grosjean. Is Grosjean. Oh my god, yeah, that's that's painful. Um, I mean, to be honest, to come from the back and to finish where he was about to, I mean, that was Ricardo esque uh, in terms of just doing the right thing, getting the right tires, good strategy. Like I said, I, I, take a risk, and he did. He went on the softs. Uh, and it paid off, um, or it was about to pay off. And I still, I'm still kind of uh, miffed, or, uh, or you know, I, it looked to me mechanical. It looked as though, yeah. I mean, he made a mistake. He was weaving, but but it also looked as though the car just suddenly jolted right, um, as though there was some sort of breakage. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, very yeah. very interesting indeed. Yeah, I thought it was at first, too, when I saw it. I thought, no, there was something happened, but I don't know. He, the way he threw his gloves at the at the end there, Grosjean, that is, I don't think, the other, I think he was blaming himself. The other question mark still to be answered is what will happen between the two Red Bull boys? Um, what will Tom Christensen, you know, I, 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 I thought it was Ricardo's fault, uh, but Verstappen, I mean, there was definitely, the jury was out. Julian Palmer saying that he felt it was Ricardo's fault. And then the other commentary team saying, um, you know, maybe um, Verstappen weaving too much. So Yeah, they seem to be, follow- the, the guys in, uh, in Sky were saying that they felt like it was. It was uh, Ricardo's, I mean, uh, Verstappen's fault for weaving. I, I think that's a hard one. I, I really do. Um, I think under the circumstances, there's no question that Ricardo. I mean, you've got to think that it's it's like it's like on your road. You know, the guy who hits you from behind is at fault. Um, you know, that's, yeah, that's true. It's your job to stay out of his way. Yeah, I don't know how that one's going to come down, but it's going to be interesting to see. Like you said, Tom Christensen, 
the driver's rep steward on this thing, that is going to be a tough call on his part. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, wow, the plot thickens. It's only four races in. Yeah, now Mr. Hamilton taking the lead from Vettel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look at the points here and see how yeah, that Hamilton's plays out here in a minute. Yeah, it's... it's Perilously close, um, but it's uh, but but Hamilton will lead the championship now. Yeah. Yep, Hamilton will take the lead and and particularly pleased for Raikkonen. I'm. I said at the yeah. beginning of the day, if you remember, that I wanted Raikkonen to have a result, and frankly, that's as good as he could have done today. He drove well. Um, he drove effectively. Uh, if anything, but Vettel made the mistakes, and Raikkonen is very much in this chap. You know, in this hunt, uh, which is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see a good performance by him, uh, and I got it. You know, I was talking about his. I was thinking that that mistake that he made in qualifying would be such a big thing that maybe loomed larger as far as like the whole season career kind of thing but i know that's just one mistake but look at what vettel did i mean it's just as just as really worse a mistake because in, 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 in the race in the race and about yeah, to yeah. you know be battling for the championship i mean for the lead yeah it's a tough one uh, we said we said at the beginning that uh, Baku was always going to be somewhat unpredictable and it was um lots going on um and again i don't think we can read too much into the form guide of that whole thing i think we know now that there's no question that there are three very good teams. Um, and on any given Sunday, um, a Force India, a Haas, can yeah. all get to, the, get to the front. And we've seen it now with Perez on the podium. Um, but I think it hasn't changed my mind. I think there are three winning teams here, uh, and that's Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Ferrari have definitely, if I've got one conclusion to make for the season so far, is that Ferrari are back. Yeah. Hey, guess who got in the points today for the first time ever? Brendan Hartley. There you go. <laughs> hey, you know what I don't know? We need to check this out. Is I was watching everything at the front. I don't know what happened to Magnussen because... He's, when, yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, when Grosjean went out, uh, Magnussen moved into the points, and then he finished 13th. So I don't know what happened, why he dropped down. Weird one. Yeah, very strange. Um all will be revealed. We'll find out about the Red Bulls too. I'm going to keep an eye on the, the yeah, we should all keep an eye on the net uh, to see what comes out of that. And I don't think it'll be very long. I think they'll have discussed that already. Uh, it'll be the main topic of discussion in the um, in the briefing room. Yeah, but um, look, look how many DNFs. Botas, Grosjean, Verstappen, Ricardo, Hulkenberg, Ocon and Sorotkin. Wow. That was Sorotkin and Ocon first lap. Yeah. So that's seven cars out. It's no wonder everybody's into the points. <laughs> yeah, no Just kidding. statistically speaking here. I'll tell you, this is not going to do any harm to Sergio Perez. Um, we kind of saw him as the dark horse last year. There was a lot of shenanigans with him and his teammate. Ocon is very good. Uh, and we saw the little bit of niggle that they kept uh, getting into last year. If you remember, most of last year we spent talking about how these two guys couldn't get out of each other's way. But um, uh, I think uh, Perez, as the senior member of that team, wants to lead Force India. Um, actually, they've got some... Um, you, you may have well remember an interview that they did on Sky Sports uh, on ESPN um, last week about uh, uh, upgrades coming in Spain, um, which is the next race. Uh, so um, I think there's a lot of quiet confidence amongst Force India, and that result today has done no harm. Yep. So I was thinking about something. You saw the Red Bull cars there at the 
it were at the behind the barriers where they crashed, and they had all those photographers right <laughs> on top of those cars. You know how they the Formula One teams shield everything. Yeah. Those, I'd like to see those photos. We're going to watch for those yep. on the interwebs here. Yeah, on the inter in, interface. <laughs> and speaking of Red Bull, did you see Adrian, <laughs> Adrian Newey? Newey? Yeah, when, he, was, he was like uh, he was like an upset schoolmaster, wasn't he? Yeah, he folded like, up. You boys are playing around again. He, as soon as it happened, he folded up his notebook. See me in and, my chambers. Yeah, folded up his notebook and walked away. I know. And uh, yeah, and on ESPN they showed Newey. I mean uh, Horner walking past, and the and uh, he's you know Horner's really good about giving comments to the press. Yeah. And he said, nah, I'm going to give you a little comment and then no comment, and yeah. walked away. Would not answer another question. All of them going up the stairs into the room to uh, like into the principal's office, like you said. <laughs> Pretty pleased for Raikkonen, very much so. Um, like I said, I wanted to see him kick off, get on to a result that was worthy of what their potential has been. Um, you know, uh, he didn't make a mistake, and that Ferrari is clearly good. Um, and it's good to see Raikkonen up there. I hope he gets some motivation from this, because uh, I'd love to see, you know, more players in this battle. And I think that uh, Hamilton will be weaker if it is a four-way battle than a two-way battle. And what about Bottas? I mean, he was, I mean, were it not for that puncture, it would have been a really oh. sterling victory for him. Uh, we mentioned strategy. Um, there was no question that Mercedes won that race, on, or were about to win that race on strategy, pure and simple, um, by getting Bottas in just when the safety came out. Great. Great strategy by them. They finally, you know, yeah. I said to them, they were outfoxed by, you know, in the first few races. Uh, Ricardo's strategy in the last race and Vettel's strategy clearly in the first two races. Uh, and they bounced back really well. And they've come away with a victory, albeit a lucky one for Hamilton. But uh, basically, up until that point, they strategically won the race with Bottas. Yeah, kept him out there. Did you see how late in the race... Botas was setting the fastest lap all the way up to 30. 40, 40 laps? It was 40? at least 39. I wrote down in my notes, but at least 39, maybe even later, that he was still setting fastest laps on those tires that had another two laps on them from qualifying. I do think that is um, one of the traits that Valtteri has in his arsenal, so to speak, is that he has that ability. He's good on tires. Um, he's good at preserving tires. We've seen it in the past. And uh, I think this. I think he was quietly confident. I mean, all right, puncher is a puncher, but you know, I think he was quietly confident that he could have. That was his strategy all along. I think he knew. Right, I can. I I can probably play the waiting game here. Yeah, you know that's interesting. You say that because we think about great drivers like that are aggressive, like Verstappen, Hamilton, and and, and yeah, and Hamilton. But you think Vettel. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, very aggressive on tires. Uh, but you think about these guys, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Sergio Perez was doing that? Was one of the finest, yes. Was one of the best at, at extending the life of those tires. Yeah. And Botas. I think it was Canada that he did that yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's an, that was, man, it was a very interesting race up until the debacles of Red Bull and Grosjean that, that put out so many red flag laps. Well, of course, now it's Spain, uh, May 11th and 13th, or May 11th to the 13th, so just a few weeks away, um, two weeks, in fact, um, and effectively a, a, a well-deserved break. If you are involved in Formula One, you'll know that uh, 
effectively you're headed home after what has been a jaunt around the world, quite literally. Bahrain, uh, China and Australia, that's a long way. Um, and finally a chance to uh, effectively, given that Formula One is based in the UK or mostly, uh, a chance to get home. Uh, and that's certainly how the teams feel about it. So uh, a long-awaited rest uh, for the next few days. Yeah, and uh, of course that's when uh, F1's going to launch their their OTT. That'll be interesting. To yes. See. Well, let's explain what that is, and and also get people excited about it. Um, yeah. This is their chance to effectively, and I I was actually involved in the last relatively uh, simple at the time, but OTT that uh, FOM did, uh, and I worked on it. Um, and, and what that was was it was actually then purely for Sky Sports. And we basically, we, we actually operated out of Biggin Hill, out of the airport, which, which <laughs> Bernie Eccleston owns. Uh, and we did a huge show where you were able, basically it was a, a remote control effort. And this will be the same thing, which is you have the ability to go behind the scenes. You can go on board with any of the drivers at any time. Um, you can look at features. Uh, there'll be reporters like Will Buxton um, doing stuff during the race. And afterwards, you can go to a, a channel on um, interviews. Now, I, I'm, I'm guessing here because I haven't seen the output yet, um, but if it is anything like we did back, uh, well, about 10 years ago now, um, it'll it'll have all of that uh, stuff, if you will. So it'll be a combination of the app, which you've already got, uh, probably for a lot of people. Uh, it'll be a combination of TV. There'll be um, another commentary team, I believe, uh, effectively doing the OTT coverage. Um, but it, it, it's basically for the aficionado. It's for it's yeah. it's for anybody who really wants to get amongst it. And effectively, if you're in the modern world and you you know you you follow and get the apps on your TV like like ESPN, uh, watch ESPN or even uh, Amazon and uh, the Fire Stick stuff yeah. like that, you basically have your own Formula One channel. 24-7. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty reasonably priced. They're yes. saying, what, 8 to 10 bucks a month? Yep. And, I mean, look, if you're a Formula One fan, you, you know, and you know, ESPN had a little bit of a hiccup this weekend. Like, my DVR did not record qualifying because it was recording some SEC football. So I had to jump on the app and play qualifying if you weren't up early to watch it. And But this is this is for the aficionado, and it's going to have all those features. And the F1 app is... In my mind, it's as good as any sports app for any sport on the planet. It is a really tons of features already before you add any of this OTT, which stands for over the top, by the way. Yeah, and what it means by, what they mean by over the top. I didn't, when it first came out, I didn't really understand what it meant. But what it means is you have broadcasters, but this is a channel that effectively does the same thing. Um, but gives you a little bit more flexibility to, to, to you know, to take control of it. Uh, and, and it's very much the future. I think we're going to see more and more of this um, yeah. kind of coverage of, of all sorts of sports um, in the future. Well, we're going to take a break, but uh, also let me go out give out the phone number if anybody wants to join the conversation. 512-643-LIVE. 512-643-5483. Let me run down the, the list real quick. Because it was Lewis Hamilton, Kimi Raikkonen, Sergio Perez, Sebastian Vettel, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll, Stoffel Van Dorn, Brendan Hartley, Erickson, Gasly, Magnussen, and everybody else did not finish. But let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. 
The Austin East KOA Campground. Just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. Ambia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Agusta. Italian star with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Agusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Mosing Motorcars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motorcars, 2420 West Breaker Lane. Online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motorcars. Drive yourself happy. Talk 1370. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Good for you, Brendan Hartley, winning some yeah. points. Yeah. 10th today. So I want to talk about Red Bull because, yeah, obviously the big crash towards the end of the race. But, and we'll still see what happens with stewards and anybody get penalties or anything for that. But they were going at it all day. Yeah, they and, were. And I think... And it was... That's why it ended in tears. <laughs> yeah. And I, I jokingly said uh, early in the race, I said, well, maybe the Haas boys will move up into the points when Verstappen takes out Ricardo. <laughs> but, uh, but obviously the opposite happened. And, and whose default, we'll, we'll see. But, but they were going at it all race, Jonathan. Yeah, they were. And I think uh, the, the upshot, if it was, well, not the upshot, but I think the, uh, the, the consequence of them going at it all day, well, I think was frustration on Ricardo's uh, position. Uh, and he won it by, uh, he was faster than Verstappen at that particular time. Verstappen was struggling with all sorts of weird problems, not being able to recharge batteries and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but he is a very aggressive driver and he defended. Uh, whether he defended too strongly, we'll find out. But either way, uh, my feeling is the guy who's behind, it's his responsibility to pull out um, of a potential crash. And he didn't and he slammed into the back of Verstappen. Um, so six of one, half a dozen of the other, as they say, but, um, we will see. It could be quite significant though. Yep. And speaking of those batteries, that, that's a little bit unusual. You don't hear a lot of discussion about that. I don't think that it was a technical problem. I just think it's maybe what you were saying is that they were defending so hard and the nature of this circuit that it was using up the battery power so much. Yeah, maybe. Um, it, but it did, I mean, Verstappen was complaining right from the start of the race about not being able to recharge. So um, he maybe, was like, he yeah. was on the radio saying, I can't recharge. It's not recharging. They were like, be patient. It is bit by bit. 
Um, yeah, I don't know whether it was an actual physical problem with the car um, or it was just a frustration on Verstappen's part. But, um, yeah, interesting. Well, and Ricardo looked, there were some, at points, he was actually faster than Verstappen today. And, uh, you know, I think these guys are pretty evenly matched. But that, that uh, the fact that he was faster and the fact that, I think Verstappen was being too aggressive early in the race, but I don't know where I stand yet on this. I want to see it one more time as far as when he feigned left, went right, and Ricardo hit him. I, I don't know. But so the other, the other incident that happened was, of course, right then was um, Grosjean inexplicably losing the back of the car there. Yeah, and like I said to you before, I I, I just feel that it, it, it looked to me as though something mechanical went wrong. I mean, he was obviously pushing to keep temperature in the tires and doing what he should, which is you know weave from side to side. Uh, and either one of, one of two things happened. Um, he either um, pushed too hard and got on the accelerator too hard, and it snapped wide or snapped right. Um, but it looked also as that could be a mechanical issue. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually went on the radio and said he got hit behind from Mar Marcus. So Marcus Ericsson, which did not happen. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly for him to come across the radio like that uh, and say that was both, you know, he at the moment. But also uh, it, it indicates to me that maybe something did go wrong with the car because he felt as though he suddenly lost control of the car um, as though he were hit from behind. But um, I think, you know, truth is, uh, I, I really don't know. I, I, I We'll see. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised to hear that there was some mechanical issue with that car. Yeah, that's what, I, when you said that, when, he's, when he thinks there was something wrong with the car, then, I mean, someone hit him, then maybe something was wrong with the car. So what other stories, Jonathan? We've got the, uh, you know, the, the boys from Toro Rosso, Hartley and Gasly, and with Hartley scoring points. What about Gasly today? Dick Dastardly. <laughs> Dick Gasly. No, yeah, good. I mean, really, um, I, like I said, uh, Red Bull, uh, excuse me, uh, Toro Rosso um, have been the story. And remember, that's the Honda engine. I'm, I'm you know, keep saying it, but, um, you know, that they've turned their fortunes around and they are regularly scoring a fourth place last time out in China. And again, um, good performance and reliable performance again. So Honda is stepping up uh, and in this partner with Scuderia, Scuderia Toro Rosso, um, they've got two good drivers, two young drivers, but two hungry drivers. And I think um, so far, steady, steady as she goes, as they say. Okay, so there's an interesting story. I want to talk about Fernando Alonso finishing seventh and Stoffel van Dorn at ninth. And, but that, <laughs> that plays into the story that happened this week about... Uh, a firing at the McLaren team. Yes. Um, I, yeah, this is interesting. They have fired, it's Tim... Uh, Goss. Goss, yeah. Um, who is basically the man in charge of the chassis. Their complaint is um, too much drag. And it's very noticeable here, um, given that it's such a long straight. Um, and obviously last year, everything was squared at Honda, right? So everything that went wrong was Honda's fault. Blamed, yeah. Right. Um, and then when Honda's gone and you've got a, you know, a decent engine, then you start saying, well, why are we still slow? Yeah. And now it's like, well, we're slow because we're getting too much drag and it's not a good design on the chassis. And they literally, which is pretty unheard of in the middle of a season, have fired Tim Goss. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who picks him up if anybody picks him up because, you know, he's got some, uh, interesting, you know, stories, I'm sure. 
Um, he's clearly uh, well respected. You don't get to be at McLaren in that position for that long. For he's, that long, he's been yeah. there since 1990, which actually tells you everything you need to know. Uh, given that McLaren have in that period won many, many championships along, and, and Tim will have, been, will have had a lot to do with that. So. Uh, it's a it's a real knee jerk um, response, but I think it's also uh, endemic, if you will, of how McLaren are both feeling at the moment and how the ship has to be. You know, the the, the plank has been brought out, and you yeah. know, some people are going to walk that plank uh, if this pirate is, ship's going to sail again properly. So I think it's it's a, it's a it's a shot across the bows to get another one in. Um, for the rest of the staff to say, hey, enough is enough. We want changes and we want to make this team successful again. But I think this is more than just, you know, sometimes when, you know, we see it in football all the time where a team, a coach will get fired or... Yeah, exactly. Because, and they're not sure what's exactly the problem, but I think this one's a little more clear. You've got, you know, you've got the same power unit as a lot of the other guys and you're not as fast. And so, you know, I know that's a little oversimplification, but... No, I... And the question remains, um, who who now steps in uh, and writes that? Um, you know, uh, and also, how much can you change a car mid-season? It's the fourth round of the of the championship. Um, so what, are you going to redesign? I mean, I believe this decision was more to do with next year's car than this year's car. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, because I would have thought, turn May, June, you're starting to look towards the future. And someone like Tim who is in the, effectively in the design department, not the race team, um, Tim Goss, uh, he would probably be looking now towards planning for next year's car, and they thought to themselves, not cutting it, mate, um, which is kind of tough, but that's Formula One. It's a tough game, very tough game. Yeah, there's, there, it's ruthless. And in- but there's, hey, it's, there's 400 million up at stake, you know? If, you yeah. know, if you don't feel as though this one guy's doing the right job, you gotta you gotta move. You gotta shake it up a bit, and I think that's what McLaren are doing. I mean, you know, we've forgotten uh, just how successful McLaren have been in the last few decades, and how they are not performing anywhere near the budget. I mean, effectively, they probably have the third biggest budget in Formula One, and they're being beaten by Force India and Haas and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, there you go. Yeah, there's no tolerance for less than awesome in that, at that <laughs> yeah. level. So, yeah. man, what a crazy race overall, though. I mean, incredible. I mean, right from the start, Ocon crashing and 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 right into Raikkonen and and debris on the track all the way across. But uh, but we have a new championship leader, of course, and we're watching some of the replays. Oh, we're watching the replay right now of Red Bull. You still stick with your story? What, that it's Ricardo's fault? Yeah. I have to. Uh, I'm now, I mean, I'm watching him on board now. He goes to the outside. He then comes back to the inside. And Verstappen's there. And it's, I mean, not be funny, but you know, it's, it's his job to get out of his way. Yeah. You can't pile into the back of him. Yeah, Verstappen moves to the, he moved to the left, then he moved to the right. And yeah, he just plows into the back of him. And then just I, I, to back. be honest, I think he thought about an inside move uh, because the door was relatively open and then it was quickly closed by Verstappen. Um, well, how many moves is, you know... That's the question. That the, is where the, the therein lies so the rub. I just watched this in slow motion. Verstappen moved left slightly, then he moved right, and then he moved back left. Yeah, and therefore he probably could fall foul of the, of the, the, the laws. Yeah. Yep. 
That's going to be interesting. It's gonna yeah, be- <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, he may well get in trouble for that. All right. Well, so there was that part was absolutely crazy. Gunbrosian spinning out crazy. But what about some of the steady as you go down the grid a little bit? I mean, obviously Sergio Perez, you put right in that mark on the podium. Yeah, I, I'm really, like I said, really happy for him. Um, Vettel kind of blew it, I think, um, down in fourth place, but getting some decent points. Good result for Renault and Sainz. Um, Charles Leclerc, look at him go. Sixth yeah, place. That's I right. Mean, think about that. Um, this is uh, uh, this is at the Alfa Romeo Sauber. Yeah. Get the heck out. Um, yeah. And Alonso, seventh place. Not a bad result. Um, you know, they're steadily on the board. Yeah. Um, I got a feel for uh, Haas. Like, again, they could have had enough, um, a much different weekend, um, but it's not to be. Yeah, isn't that motor racing, though? It's just yeah. so classic motorsports where you just, any given Sunday, what can happen? Hey, I got the new driver standings there out, so. Okay, let's hear it. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton at the top with 70 points. Sebastian Vettel, second with 66. Kimi Raikkonen, third with 48. Botas with 40. Ricardo, 37. Alonso, that's up to sixth. That's interesting. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, again, you know, Renault doing good here this season. Uh, Verstappen, Perez, Sainz, and Gasly in 11th, and Magnussen at 12th. Yeah. Wow, Roman grows on 19th. <laughs> I think it'll change. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think Hass's day will come, and I think they're going to have probably, I still predict they'll, they'll have their best season so far. So. Yeah, I certainly hope so. That would mean that they're going to have some other good race. The car's too fast. I think you're right. But gosh, the, the crazy bad luck and fluke of today. So, How yeah. would you feel if you were Botas? Come on. Yeah, no kidding. Ah. Talk about seeing the finish line. <laughs> yeah, I still say it's that's bad. But I still think the, the double Haas out from two loose wheel nuts is worse. Yep, and uh, there's definitely been some interesting stories out of today. Um, you know, we've seen a few chinks in a few armors today. Um, Vettel, uh, a chance to win and a chance to uh, extend his lead, having won the first two Grand Prix. Uh, Ricardo goes from hero to zero, quite literally. Um, but is he at fault? And will Verstappen be penalised, I wonder? All right, well, let's go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we'll continue discussion about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And we also have some other stories that we're going to talk about and maybe dabble a little bit in the silly season where the drivers might go a little bit. I know you wanted to talk about that. All right, you listen to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. The racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin, and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education for 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done or where you've done it or how well you've done it. 
will make you better. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosey Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City. Lewis Hamilton takes the victory in Azerbaijan. Maybe a gift, but he'll take it and take it all the way to the top of the championship standings for 2018. So we went to break. We were teasing a little bit about the possible silly season. Yeah. And I know you've been talking, and you and I have been talking about this, and because it be some very interesting things. You know, we talked about Grosjean, and you said, oh, what about Grosjean uh, going to Ferrari and Raikkonen going to Haas? Well, the, the I guess... <laughs> Uh, this all started. There's a, there's a great um, article in um, F1 Racing uh, from the beginning of the season where Marcioni, the head of Ferrari, um, Sergio Marcioni, uh, was asked about Raikkonen, and what he said was, "When things go right, it's a pleasure to see him driving. <laughs> He's uh, he has an incredible coldness. Otherwise, other moments, it seems like he hates uh, to take a break." Um, and he looks as though he's taking a break. So kind of he needs more consistency in terms of performance, but it's important to find the right key to make him drive like in Monaco where he qualified pole in 2017 and led for 33 laps uh, and also on the other side. This is probably the last season to find the right key and he, we must do it. In other words, what he's saying is, you know, Raikkonen is one of those guys that, you know, when it's all right, it's all good. And so he's partly saying Ferrari have got to give him a car, which I believe that he does have now. But why I wanted to start there was he is the elder statesman. He's 38. Um, and he's got, he will have, by the end of the season, the prime um, car, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that or the Mercedes. Botas is the other one. So basically there are two drivers who are on the cusp of potentially losing their drive. One is Raikkonen and the other is Botas. Botas, of course, is here to prove himself and I think today he did that and would have won the race. So uh, I think it's harsh to, to, to say that, but of course um, the driver market is the driver market and the key in that driver market is that Daniel Ricciardo has yet to sign for Red Bull. Uh, and you say it yourself, you know, Red Bull also may be the team to be with. Vettel won four titles for them. Um, are they eventually going to, you know, suddenly come good? And will, you know, um, the future with possibly Aston Martin engines down the road or possibly Honda engines down the road uh, be the place to be? Um, so that's where it gets interesting. Um, right now, I wouldn't throw Bo Botas at because he's doing a great job. He's also a good teammate to Hamilton. Uh, and you don't want to upset that flow. Look what happened when Hamilton and Alonso got together. Um, yeah, good point. Could Raikkonen um, possibly, as an elder statesman, get another job with a Ferrari team? Ooh, who would that be? Haas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, at 38 years old, he's, he's obviously incredibly fast still. And I, I just don't know how I'm, I'm putting myself in the Haas fan club right now going, how would I feel about that? I don't know. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, when are we going to give Santino Ferrucci, an American, a shot at this? Um, is he ready yet? I don't, you know, is it, you know, you got to look at, is it, do you put him in, this, in the seat to develop him? 
because he's never going to get the the development unless he gets into a, the full development until he's in his Formula One car. Yeah, I think it's too early for Santino. He's still young, and um, I think a good season in, in F2. He got a, a sixth there. Well, he and his teammate got a sixth and seventh in the second race this weekend, so they're on the board. They've scored points, um, but it's still early days. He had some races last year, but this is his first full season in F2, uh, and um, I think you know, uh, I think the waiting game is on for that. But I don't see uh, Santino getting into the car um, or getting a race drive anytime soon. All right, we got the big board right in front of us, Jonathan, with all the drivers and teams. <laughs> any other any other equations to that domino well, effect? Yes, I mean you've got to look at Pierre Gasly, and you've got to look at uh, potentially. Um, well, I, I guess yeah, P- Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc. Um, I mean, you know, Leclerc is is a Ferrari junior driver and, you know, has pretty much, um, you know, in a very short space of time done a really good job. He's obviously in a car that, um, you know, isn't the most competitive out there in the Sabre and yet he's scoring good points. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Hartley, likewise, um, very strong head on him. Um, a good potential driver for any team. Um, I do think that the driver market will also be affected by, you know, the direction that Liberty takes Formula One in, and that is the specs, the engines, whether new manufacturers will come in like Porsche, like um, Aston Martin and so on. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting time. But I think, yeah, keep an eye on both Gasly and um, Charles Leclerc. Oh, you just brought up something I had in my notes I wanted to talk about because of the new... FIA clamp down on exhaust blowing. You know, it just ah yes. just kind of plays into the whole, you know, new engines in 2021 and how all this stuff. Well, just but, explain just explain what that is and why it's happened and why they're clamping down on it. Yeah, it's actually the, the, the whole concept is pretty simple, actually. You know, you think of an airplane wing as it's all about air pressure because this, yep. the way the air, an airplane wing and, and of course, an air... And uh, a wing on a race car, it's shaped to where the air goes at different speeds on the on the top or the bottom of the wing. And so in a race car, it's shaped where the air pressure is is less on the bottom of the wing. So it pulls it down. It's, it's very simple, that is, actually. That's the, that is the definition of downforce. Exactly. And that's how it works. So you get the air moving under the, the bottom of the wing faster because of the shape, the way they, you know, the bulbous shape of yep. the wing. So what they're doing with the exhaust is they're blowing the exhaust at the bottom. They're trying to, and they're blowing it at the bottom of the wing, trying to increase that same airflow. And they're able to control that. This is the interesting part with all the the MGU and the MGKs that are in modern Formula One engines. Those are the the those are the uh, the electric motors that are tied to the turbo. Right, the MGU H is actually tied to the turbo, and it has multiple functions. For one, it is it can remove turbo lag. Right, yeah. Which is you know in a, in a road car, you everybody's experienced that. You punch it and it goes, Wah, and it sounds kind of like Kimmy Roy. <laughs> and then it, I knew you were going to do that. And then, it, and, and, and then when the boost kicks in after it builds pressure, it, it the, the engine goes right. Yeah. Well, so if you can eliminate that lag with the electric motor, that's what they do. But that same motor can then spin up and push the exhaust out. In, let's say mid corner when you're not on the throttle, right? I see, yeah. Okay. So you're not on the throttle, and it pushes that air under the wing and increases downforce in a unnatural way. So that's what the FIA is trying to clamp down on. And they outlawing it? 
And that's what they're, you know, they're saying they're going to. They're going to say they're going to impose a clampdown. And so we're going to see Wasn't what happens. Wasn't it happened. Renault that kind of, uh, beginning of the season, I think, um, yes. were kind of pioneers of this? Yes. yes. Renault was. They had, the, the pipe location has a lot to do with it. And, the, you know, the, the rules dictate how far from the wing the exhaust pipe can be, what angle that exhaust pipe can be. But there's so many tricks to the way they can make the exhaust come out of those engines these days with so much control with those MGH units that this is really, it's going to be a fascinating discussion. But it's pretty cool, though, to think about how to, that they're creating downforce with an electric motor in the exhaust system. But that is the essence of Formula One, of course. Um, and a lot of people don't like it because it is a very technical sport. But, it, it, I mean, frank, frankly, these guys are like NASA scientists. Um, you know, they're always looking to, to, to create a break for themselves. And why it's, it's interesting, and, and I'm glad you're on top of this, because, you know, we saw back in the days of Ross Braun, who is now, of course, the motorsports director, uh, Braun's own team won a world championship with uh, Jensen Button because of a nifty move they made with the rear of the car um, that basically gave them a huge advantage as they showed up in Australia and the rest of the year, everybody was spent trying to catch up with them. And, um, you know, that is innovation at its finest and engineering at its finest. Um, you know, so this is exactly what we're always looking for in Formula One is somebody to get an advantage design-wise. Uh, and, and we've seen it, we just mentioned Tim Goss being fired. Um, you know, th this is the, the other battle that goes on, which is the battle for ultimate design. Yeah, and... This is what makes Formula One to me, and I know a lot of people the same way, so interesting and exciting is the technology. And so many, for decades now, it's been on the forefront of automotive technology, whether that's performance or safety, all those things. And that's what makes Formula One so interesting. And that is the shame part of it, too, is that you, you know, just like I was talking about earlier, those photographers getting those shots of cars, <laughs> we don't get a lot of the information until sometimes years later of what's happening in a Formula One engine. Yeah, and, and, and often, you know, it, it is a sort of, you watch it as a sport and you think, God, oh, this is a bit, this isn't, you know, what, just going around and around and around, a bunch of adrenaline junkies. Um, but the truth of the matter is the safety um, in your car that we drive home or you take your kids to school in is all developed in Formula One, from airbags to disc brakes to uh, aerodynamics to fuel efficiency to everything that is innovative in a car has come from from racing them. It is a, basically, it's a test tube. Yeah, no doubt about it. And including fuel economy. You know, we mentioned yeah. performance and safety, but fuel economy, so many, I mean, look at this. These are 1.6 liter V6 engines. When you, when you tell somebody who doesn't follow the sports how big the engine is, it's like 1.6 liter. Yeah, we're yeah. talking a thousand horsepower, give or take. Nobody knows exactly, <laughs> again, <laughs> but give or take out of all that technology. Hey, I just checked the Red Bull Twitter and Account. it's very silent. Yeah. In fact, what the, do they say? The last tweet was an hour after the race. I mean, right after the race, an hour ago, and it says uh, no words. Both cars out after a turn one collision. That's it. Fair enough. So I, I still want to see what the the stewards are going to say, and I keep checking to see. But but there's some other stories that I wanted to talk to while we're. At, well, I really am waiting on that too. But. Um, we, we talked about Formula 2, Jonathan, and how our, we're going to step up our coverage of Formula 2 and GP3. Um, I know you had some stories out of Formula 2 that you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the big story, well, Russell and Alban won the races. Um, finally, the um, American uh, scored, and so did his teammate, Arjun Miney. So both 
6th and 7th in race 1, uh, excuse me, in race 2, two races each weekend, um, and the season is rolling. We've now had this, the, we've now had four races. Uh, Markloff was on fantastic form in Baku. Uh, he's the Russian uh, driver, uh, and we've got a really interesting season of Formula 2 ahead, and GP3, which will next year, in 2019, become Formula 3. Um, but yeah, the young drivers, Lando Norris and Sergio Sete Camera, both Carlin, um, drivers, um, first and second in the championship at the moment after two rounds. Uh, and like I said at the beginning of the program, we will be airing um, the coverage of both Formula 2 and GP3. Uh, and we're going to involve the drivers. We're going to uh, call up um, Roberto Mary. We're going to call up Santino Ferrucci and we're going to involve them actually in our coverage. Um, so it'll be a highlights version. It won't be live. Um, but I think it'll be very interesting for our audience to actually get under the skin. Uh, and we've got full access. So it's great. And then are you like me where you say Formula 2 and Formula oh, GP3? It's <laughs> like, okay, it's going to be Formula 3. but What it's still- was GP2 is now Formula 2, which is quite <laughs> right. And, and by the way, uh, Formula 2, Two has a huge history. Back in the day, um, Formula Two, a lot of the Formula One drivers used to drive Formula Two effectively in their weekends off. So uh, yeah, Formula, it should be called Formula Two. It should be, and it should be called Formula Three. So a proper ladder to uh, to distinction, very similar to the road to Indy, um, is now being formed. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been a proper ladder. It's just they're naming it properly now. Hey, you know, something I thought about, I heard early in the race, is that uh, they talked about the DRS not working right. And what it was is that the GPS, you know, it's activated by GPS, but apparently the GPS was not working. So early in the race, I heard that. So when you saw DRS being activated today on the cars, that was manually operated. Got a, yes. Got a good tweet here. It's from a big S- lever. They just, no, not really. <laughs> I got a good tweet here from Sahara Force India. We're making some space in the trophy cabinet. <laughs> I think that's a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> I.e., they haven't won too much, so that cabinet's still quite empty. Yeah. It's, uh, driver of the day, uh, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Uh, also, no. you know, we talked about uh, uh, hardly getting first points, Charles Leclerc. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take another quick break because when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about Azerbaijan Grand Prix and some other cool F1 stories. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done or where you've done it or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Bozick Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at MosingMotorCars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. Talk 1370. Hi there, my name's Derek Bell. This is Speed City. 
Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City. One of the greats, Derek Bell. Six-time Le Mans winner. That's not bad. That still looks good on the resume. It doesn't look bad, does it? Azerbaijan continues. Easy for you to say. I'm not. I've gotten better at that over the weekend. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, but again, another unpredictable 2018 race, and it doesn't. It's not over. By I the know. Way. I know. I'm looking at the the, the Twitter sphere, and we've just had something come across that, uh, in fact, it's official. The stewards have asked for the driver and a representative of the team to the stewards' office, Sergio Perez, for alleged use of DRS in breach of Article. 21.5C of the <laughs> FIA Formula One Sporting Regulations. 21.5C. Ah, yes. So It's, it's Plan C. Uh, plan remember C. Plan C came yeah, into the yeah. vernacular not a week ago? Well, I wonder if this, we were just talking about the DRS having to be manually activated. I wonder if it's, they, they got it slightly wrong because they were doing it manually instead of having a GPS do it. What's interesting about that is if he does get docked, um, potentially, and it would be quite a big infringement, um, he could potentially lose that third place and that would therefore go to Vettel. Huh. So uh, the, the plot thickens. The plot quickens. Ah, yes. <laughs> I like it. Very, very good. Hey, we are in Austin, Texas. I wanted it. We got to talk a little bit. Of it. We mentioned it earlier, but the, uh, the lineup for the concert lineup for the United States Grand Prix here at Circuit of the Americas. Britney. Britney Spears. Come on, baby. <laughs> Britney Spears and Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's that's pretty hefty. That's, uh, that's Those are two titans of the world of popular music. You know, if you you have to go back a few years, but now, is it, we started with Elton John, okay, for... Metallica, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of the big, big names. Yeah, right. Elton Metallica. John was the big, yeah, was the big foray. Yeah, yeah, first one. And then Taylor Swift, and then... Uh, not Justin Timberlake. I was going to say Justin Bieber. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. He's Justin, busy. Justin. <laughs> He's busy chasing, uh, what's her name, Gomez. Yeah. Yep. They're so, back on again. So Bruno Mars and Britney Spears. Britney. Britney. <laughs> Britney. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Baku. We, we, Baku, yes. We've been on since 6 a.m., so yeah, there you it's go. it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So, all right. So back to today's race. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting if we do see some penalties in from against Sergio Perez, but also I, I, without without a doubt, there's going to be some discussion from the stewards about the Red Bull, but I don't know. I don't I still, I, I still say that it looked like Max Verstappen to me. By the way, um, just a, another passing thought. Do you remember all those, all those months ago when Alonso was out on the first lap with one wheel on his barrow? Quite literally. I mean, there was half a car when he came in the pits and he finished seventh. It's yeah. another brilliant drive yeah. by Fernando Alonso. Really, truly quite brilliant. Yeah, and, and another insane, another pre in, unpredictable twist of the season, of course. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else, Jonathan? You know, we talked about some of the limited ah, media. I'll tell you what you wanted to know about Magnussen. Uh-oh. He was given a 10-second a time penalty um, for a steward's decision, as was... Um, sorry, yeah, Magnuson and who else? Ten number ten. Ten second time. I oh, know. Sorry, it was just car twenty. You see it again? Yeah, it was Magnuson giving a ten second penalty. That's why he dropped down so far. Yeah. So another tough day at the office for Team Haas. Gosh, yeah, that's an understatement. This season seems like 
Yeah, with all that promise and hope, the cars are fast with all the disappointment. But hey, I want to talk about Liberty Media. You had mentioned a couple things uh, when we were talking yesterday about Liberty and some of the changes they're making and the direction they're taking. And, and it is so different. But what are the what are the, some of the challenges that you were that you were one to bring up? Well, the biggest thing is still uh, and looming is that Ferrari have threatened and continued to kind of threaten to pull out of Formula One if if they don't get um, the sort of DNA. They they feel that um, uh, the ch- basically there's there's some ca- uh, cost capping needed. Um, they want to bring the teams closer together. They want to cap it so that it's not always the haves and the have-nots, um, which would therefore curtail Mercedes and Ferrari's dominance of this sport. Um, Ferrari have always been given um, uh, effectively a handout uh, all the way back to um, you know Bernie's early days, uh, and that continues, and they, they want to stay where they are, but I think that uh, Liberty want to square it out a bit. And by a handout, you mean a larger share of the money. Basically, yeah. Uh, because the Ferrari have done this before. They've threatened to break away, um, leave Formula One, and even start their own series. Don't see it myself. Uh, it's one <laughs> thing. It's one thing as a manufacturer and a great name in history. I, I, my hope is that Liberty will stay fast um, on this because it is a new era. Um, they are a very powerful gr- group of men, uh, and the company is huge, um, and they know what they're doing in the entertainment world and the TV world. Uh, I think they're getting a lot of things right. They will make some changes that lots of people, you know, historians, if you like, of Formula One will not like. But I'm, I'm a progressive. I want to see... Uh, I want to go. I want to see Formula One change with the times, and it, and I think the biggest mistake that any sport can make is staying entrenched in a in a, in a certain way uh, and not moving effectively with the times. And we are moving at high speed, technology wise, broadcast wise, and internet wise. Uh, and I I think Formula One made a big big drop of the ball by not getting involved in the internet uh, generation years ago. Uh, they didn't even have a Twitter up until. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, now look at the F1 site. It's splendid. It's excellent. Um, yeah. And now they're, like you say, about to launch OTT, which is about as modern as you can get. Um, so they're going in the right direction. But it's going to have some, you know, consequences. And it seems aren't going to be 100% necessary. And, you know, to me, the, the scariest part about that is the engine, the power unit technology, because there's talk of, you know, making it cheaper. Now they're, they're already talking about removing the MGUH, Right, that I was just talking about earlier in the show. Would that and, make a huge difference? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such an interesting part of the technology right now with all the things I was just describing. Look at all the things that that one thing does. And so, so the MGUH not only does eliminates turbo lag, not only can you control the exhaust flow with it, but it actually generates electric uh, power that, that you can send back into. The engine. So it's, you know, you talk about road cars have regenerative, regenerative braking, and of course F1 cars do too, but they also use the exhaust at certain times to generate electric energy back to the power unit. So, yeah, but what I don't want to see is is if they try to make it more affordable and then either even pausing, I was going to say go backwards with the technology, but even pausing the technology, because then you start to think, well, are there, are there race series like Formula E? that are moving faster and faster. And, and there's even talk now of, of now a single battery. You know, it's one of the things, the big complaints for me is that you got to swap cars. But if you're moving, if you're not moving forward, somebody else is, whether it's another series, 
but also people expect it. They want Formula One to be the leading edge of technology. And if we're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards. <laughs> it's true. But one of the things that I think uh, you've got to you've got to lay firmly at the door of Formula One, DRS is a gimmick, in my opinion. It's always been. Uh, it, it creates false overtaking, and that, to me, has to be addressed because racing isn't racing if you are using gimmicks to be able to create a situation to overtake, in my opinion. All right, so you've got push to pass in Indy. You've got, you know, it's yeah, okay. you've got fan boost in, in Formula E. Well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so it is tough. It is tough. Now, we didn't use a whole lot of DRS today. There's some, some, but there was a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Perez did. Yeah, Perez apparently did. <laughs> did at the wrong time but so yeah it's a very fine line and i just i yeah i want more players in the sport would i love to see porsche and uh involved in a big way heck yeah a name like porsche involved in formula e oh, they pulled formula out One. they pulled out of um you know um sports cars which is incredible when you think about it yeah would i like to see more engine manufacturers yes absolutely i'd like to see porsche and aston martin doing that yeah so, yes, sir, all the above. So, Baku goes to Hamilton. Baku. Incredible. Yes, sir. And what? puts him back in contention, of course, because it's the first win for Mercedes this year. And hopefully, by hook or by crook, if you will, because it was lucky, uh, it may start their campaign and kick it back off again. Two races next month in May. So, we got the Spanish Grand Prix. And the Monaco next, Grand Prix. And the Monaco Grand Prix, yes. Same day as the Indy 500. Yes, all right. Well, we are done. Thank you for tuning in to Speed City today. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. Check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud. We got a lot of stuff on SoundCloud. Yeah, we got a, a Rossi interview on SoundCloud at the moment. All right. Talk to you next week. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 